Welcome to Law Enforcement Today, the podcast. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. I'm a radio broadcaster and also retired Baltimore police sergeant. In every Law Enforcement Today podcast, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Be sure to check out our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and please take the time to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today radio show brought to you by Galls.com. That's G-A-L-L-S.com. Robert, you've been dealing with them for a long time, haven't you? Long time, 31 years, and they've been in business for 50 years. Their selection is unparalleled. They've got everything from boots, glasses, gun holsters, concealable bags, everything. Everything you could need. And back in the day when I was on the job, we'd have to take off when we were off duty, which by the way, you don't have enough off duty time, drive to a police supply store. They'd have limited selection, high prices, and the service was never really all that good. So I'd spend two, three hours on my day, my time off. You can get everything at Galls.com and their customer service is unparalleled. Delivered right to your door. Never even have to leave your house. Goals.com. Also check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Here's an edition of the Law Enforcement Today radio show that I, and I can't speak for Robert, but I'm pretty certain he's pretty excited about joining us in studio. Kyle Reyes. Kyle, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming down from Hartford, Connecticut. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I worked in television for about 10 years. I was a producer of news and special projects. I loved doing what I did, but I loved being able to afford to eat a little bit more. So 80 to 100 hours a week on salary, not exactly the best lifestyle. I got out of the industry and I started an agency. So we, uh, my agency works in every kind of industry you could imagine, but we're in the middle of a campaign right now to donate $500,000 in services to police and first responders and veterans to help tell the stories behind the uniforms. And so it's an honor to, to connect with you. You know, the, the funny story behind that is it was originally $250,000 worth of services, specifically to police. So we launched the first video. We had about 3 million hits on it. We had the chiefs who were involved on Fox and Friends. And he's absolutely blew up. And the byproduct of that was that we got attacked by Internet trolls. Wall came out and said, we're calling for a ban of your business. We're boycotting you. If we can't stop you from this donation, then we can put you out of business. Now, mind you, they're never going to hire a marketing agency. They live in their parents' basement, most of them. But we turned around and told them to kiss our American behinds, and we doubled the donation because, well, America, boys. That's awesome. And you know what, Kyle? You're our first guest because usually our guests are law enforcement or family of law enforcement, and, and technically your family of law enforcement. But Jay and I always challenge people like yourself, that are not in law enforcement, from the news media, from just outside the normal realm of people that we talk to on a daily basis to come in the show. So we want to thank you for coming in studio, flying in from Boston. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You know, I do have a lot of family who who are officers uh, across the country, state police, local police, a lot of family who are veterans. Um, You guys have it hard. Uh, On the civilian side, we have it easy because we can stand there and we can complain and moan about the seven second out of context video that we saw on Facebook involving a police officer shooting and make our snap judgments on that. They're the ones who live that. And so it's, you know, it's easy for, for civilians to stand by and to Monday morning quarterback all day long. 
based on what they saw on social media. They now become the judge and the jury, and you're convicted in the court of public opinion, and it's a shame. And I think that has surpassed baseball as a national pastime now. <laughs> that literally, people Agreed. cannot wait for any... We put a post up on law enforcement today, and it never fails. Within moments, there's there's one troll yeah. that will come out with something totally outlandish. Totally. And it, it's oftentimes not even related to what the content of the post was about. Yeah. Well, and you know what's crazy, guys? So this is something that nobody talks about. We do consulting in the media still, too. And so when we share content, we track and measure how people engage with that content. And one of the things that we found to be very interesting is that people will start commenting on an article, liking, commenting, sharing, without even actually reading the article. Right. So they're making snap judgments based on nothing other than the headline. And we're talking at scale. I mean, I shared a piece a couple of weeks ago about how Facebook is going to start charging for certain types of content for publishers. And I can't tell you, we had, you know, a couple thousand people click over to read it in a few minutes, but we had thousands of people who were on the attack saying this is, they actually flagged it guys as being fake news because they just read the headline, the headline and, right. and didn't actually read the content of it. So they say that scientifically in America now, humans have, Americans have an attention span that is shorter than that of a goldfish. And Well, I can relate to that one. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> we all do. Yeah, it's, it's gotten bad. <laughs> and that's something not just with social media. That's been going on with print news, especially, and even even like broadcast television news. Yep. The headlines, story at eleven, yep. you know, and it's always drama. And f look at possible potential tropical storms, for example, here in Florida. We've I saw a report that a sixty one percent chance this storm out there in Atlantic is going to slam the coast of Florida. That was a headline. Guys, Slam! I'll, I'll take your tropical storm and I'll raise you a snowstorm yeah. in Connecticut because right. two inches is a prediction for 36 inches and everybody freaks out and business owners are the ones who are suffering the consequences right. of that. All right, let's get to the million dollar question. Uh, you know I got to ask this, Jay. Uh -oh. Why does the media want to bash law enforcement? Why do they want to twist and turn things that we're doing on a daily basis and jump down our throats and make us the bad guys. Well, you know, so first I'm going to defend them for a second and say that it's not everybody. Okay. Now that I, I made that official statement so that I don't get barred from ever being in the national media again, right. I'll say this. There is something to be said for if it bleeds, it leads. Number one, the idea that they are all competing for a bigger news hole than ever before or fleeting attention spans that are shorter than ever before and to grab eyeballs. It's eyeballs that, that offer the opportunity for sponsorship and for endorsements. Mm -hmm. So they're playing a game that, in this case, panders to the lowest common denominator, which is how can we get people eat it? It's also a lot easier to get man-on-street interview with somebody saying, I can't believe this cops are the worst than it is to get an official statement that's real talk. Because I saw it all the time, guys, when I worked in the media, you had some departments that were super friendly with the media, and you had other departments that were so used to getting beat over the head with the media that finally they said, screw it, I'm out, we're just not talking. Right. And that unfortunately fuels just the opposite of what we would like to see happen in this room, which is a little bit more responsibility 
on the journalistic side of things to step back and say, you know what, the, the blood hasn't even dried yet. And we're convicting these officers without having any idea what happened. Is that consciously done? Like, are you in a room together? Hey, I got this video. You got to see. How can we look at that? And you're looking at it from an attack point of view? Is that what's going on? I mean, I've absolutely seen that. But I've also seen the opposite, which is things are happening so quickly. And the life cycle of a story in the media is so brief now that they're reacting based on their you know, their own intuition as to what's going to grab the most headlines and what's going to grab the most eyeballs. And so I don't think it's necessarily a, how can we say, screw the police, as much as it is saying, how can we get as many eyeballs on this program as get we the edge. can? I was watching a documentary about the hunt for Son of Sam in the 1970s in New York City, and they talked about Steve Dunleavy from, I think he was the New York Post or whatever, and Jimmy Breslin from the Times, how they're both competing for the local attention on that news story. And the competition from them was severe. You know, and it was like, I gotta be, I gotta beat you. I gotta beat you. I gotta beat you. And I, I get that they got a job to do just like I had a job to do. Sure. Just like you have a job to do. And I don't think it's a big conspiracy, but look, if you can't sell papers, especially this day and age, you're competing against the internet, you're gone. But they're also not just competing with their competitors. So the TV stations aren't just competing with TV stations. They're competing for attention. Right. Period. And your attention is all over the place. I mean, it blows my mind how many companies spend such big dollars on traditional TV advertising still. When think about this for a second, what ha- I mean, you guys go out of your way to avoid watching commercials. And you're all, all due respect, yep. you guys are a lot older than I am. So it, it's right. not it's not a generational right. thing. It's an attention thing. That commercial comes on, you're grabbing another beer, you're checking emails, you're on your what was the second screen before your cell phone is now really your first screen. So the argument is made in live sports programming, for example, of saying, well, but people are still watching commercials in live sports programming because they're not, you know, going through on, they're not watching it on Netflix. They're not pausing and fast forwarding on TiVo. They're not watching it on Hulu. They're watching it live. But Twitter usage spikes during the commercials of live sports programs. Right. So the attention isn't there. And that's what the media is competing for. They're competing for the eyeballs on their TV program or in their, their apparently there are still newspapers that are printed, I learned recently. But they're also competing against Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Musical.ly and all of these other platforms and email and text messaging and Facebook Live. So there are so many different opportunities to pull your attention that they're just trying to get their fair share. But when when did the news media go from sensationalizing to actually reporting news? And not only the news, the complete story, even a follow-up or a retraction or even a correction to a news story, you just don't see that. So it's all, basically what you're saying is it's all about the bottom dollar. That's it. Well, as far as retractions go, uh, again, the attention span and the life cycle of a story is so short these days that they don't need to issue retractions and apologies because people have already forgotten forgot. about it. Right. And who's going to see that retraction in the grand scheme of things? They already made their big splash. And if you guys think for a second they're going to try and make a big splash with a retraction of saying, hey, everybody, look at us. We screwed up. They're not. They're going to do that as quietly as possible because they don't want egg on their face. 
Which, uh, I mean, you can't really blame. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but you can't blame I get them. It. So they put all of this effort into driving as many eyeballs to this sensational headline as they possibly could. Turns out it was, I mean, look, guys, CNN, we, we see it all the time. And then we see very quiet retractions after, or people get fired every once in a while. And, but, you know, the idea of, of clickbait, which is exactly what that is, uh, what these headlines are, it's no different than what you're seeing on, on Facebook or on Twitter. It's how do we grab attention with a very short, sexy headline right off the rip? It's tremendous competition. And that's one of the things we talk about with law enforcement today all the time is that we try to be cognizant of who our audience is mm-hmm. and that we try to tell people who are have a negative opinion of police. Right. Because it's always the police, you know, and the police covers Oklahoma, covers Kansas City, covers Hartford, Connecticut, covers Baltimore, Maryland. And if something happens in Baltimore, my old agency, well, the police in Miami are to blame too. Right. You know, and I want to hit one of them when it was somebody did something up there. So it's become like one almost like the boogeyman concept. The police are the boogeyman. Right. Well, the reality is violent crime in, in major cities is out of control and has been for a long time. Yes. New York City murders way down. Baltimore has more murders than New York did last year. And the population is like 600,000 compared to 8 million, 9 million. Well, it I mean, make we, sense. you know, we look at cities like Chicago with some of the strictest gun laws in the, the country and their murder numbers are way down. Oh wait, they're they're well, not way down. Wait, hang on, are they? Right. They're wait, not. Are you trying to sensationalize this? This uh, well, the show? criminals don't well, pay attention to gun laws. You know, here's a, exactly. Period. So one of the the things that we look at in Connecticut, for example. So after the Newtown shootings, which were were atrocious, horrible shooting, we saw reactionary governments of saying, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a limit on the number of bullets you can carry in a magazine." However, we're not going to put a limit on the number of magazines you can carry. You guys are shooters. You know that it's going to take 1.24 seconds for a not even well-trained shooter to change out the magazines. And so this, this reactionary movement from a lot of state and local government is something that further creates that divide between people who are either law enforcement or on the side of law enforcement and people who are looking to sensationalize that story. Because Richard Blumenthal, Senator Blumenthal in the state of Connecticut, spearheaded a lot of this movement. He is, I don't know if I could say it, I'm going to say it anyway. You can bleep me out if you need to. He's a media whore. When I worked in television, he was a media whore. We knew that we could go to him and get a story, and get a story period. We would just have to say, here's what we're investigating. Here's what we're looking into. What can you say? And he would stand there and say, my office is dedicated to the safety and security and protection of our residents. And so we are actively looking into insert talking points here. And so that does nothing more from a media perspective of fueling that divide between people. I really think, listen, guys, regardless of of where people stand politically, I think one of the important narratives that Trump brought up in this last election cycle was the idea of the silent majority, was the idea that there are so many people who sit back quietly, who aren't making the noise, and who stand behind the men and women who hold that thin blue line. Don't hold this against me. I'm a millennial, okay? And I'm a conservative millennial in the state of... I'm like a unicorn, basically. You're like a flying dinosaur rhinoceros that farts rainbows. (laughs) And everybody gives my generation a hard time saying, 
you're louder. Your generation is louder and, and more obnoxious and, you know, more to the left or whatever it may be than everybody else. I think that all that we're seeing here is that it's not about a generation being louder or more obnoxious. It's about us having a different and larger mouthpiece. It's about social media being able to, to be that platform for so many people to be out there and vocal. And it's that whole idea of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yes. That someone who's going to whine and complain and, and hold a, a giant anti-police parade is going to grab eyeballs because guess what? They went on Facebook and they leveraged that audience and they got 10,000 people out there to the parade for a bunch of people marching over God knows what, but they wanted something to do on that Saturday afternoon. And so the media sees this giant parade and it begins, you see where I'm going with Mm -hmm. this about how it fuels itself. And so the idea that the silent majority throws their support behind the men and women who serve and protect and they do so quietly and they're just there having their back. If you put on the news, what you see in the media these days is people who are so overwhelmingly against the police and against our veterans, against our first responders. I don't think that that's really how it is here in America. I agree. I don't think it is. And I'm sure Robert's going to say the same thing. The vast majority of people I know, I have more people now saying thank you for my service. If I don't retire police than when I was on the job. And I mean, a lot more. I remember being in a diner a couple of years ago wearing a a Harley Davidson t-shirt with the FDNY NYPD and the Twin Towers on it. And a a woman, older woman said, are you a police or a firefighter? I'm retired Baltimore police. She said, well, thank you. I'm not from Baltimore, but thank you for what you went through. I'm sure it was bad. Well, you know, I'll tell you guys, it's scary because we do a lot of work in the community and we have so many officers who say we're we're doing everything that we can in the inner cities to teach kids that we are a safe space for you, that we are who to turn to. And then you have the parents who are, are giving completely the opposite, which is saying that guy with the badge, he's the bad guy. And so what happens when something truly bad happens in their life? Who do they run into? They run into the arms of, of the bad guys. They run into the arms of the, the men and women who are the abusers or who are the criminals. And they're running away from the men and women who would protect them. And I don't have the answers. And I don't think, I don't think Robert does. Well, I don't have the answers, that's for sure. That's one of the reasons that we have this, this forum to be able to talk and discuss. And, and I really appreciate the talking and discussing. I personally cannot stand when somebody starts adamantly screaming at me. To, to make a point it, it just turns me off on the street it turns me off in professionally socially in every which way but i want to switch gears a little bit kind of lighten the mood but also um thank kyle for writing an awesome article for law enforcement today that talked about social media and mm-hmm. as a result of that article something very bad happened to kyle and and i want to discuss that with you right now because it's something that quite frankly we have a problem with the media now but we're really going to have problems with social media for conservatives, for law enforcement. If we don't open up our eyes, folks, and take a look at what's going on and how they're monitoring our social media networks, news, announcements, podcasts, whatever it is. And Kyle, please elaborate. Yeah, so I'll give you guys some background. Over the last eight months, the public figure page that I have has swelled from a couple of hundred people to 103,000 followers. And we put out a lot of content in support of police, other first responders, and veterans. What I've noticed as a result of that, and I have a whole production team behind us, so we're putting out a ton of video content, I'm putting out a ton of written content. What I've noticed is that Anytime we have content surrounding Thin Blue Line, Blue Lives Matter, uh, anything along those lines, 
we see a significant drop right off the rip in terms of organic reach. So the number of people who are seeing it and engaging with it. And mind you, my audience tends to be overwhelmingly supportive of, of this demographic. And so we noticed that very quickly, but we also noticed that if you go, you can tag videos on the back end. So it's not something that's right. see publicly. There's there's no tag assigned for Blue Lives Matter. There's no tag assigned for Thin Blue Line. Those categories are nil. However, if you want to put up uh, anti-police, police or pigs, anything like that, you've got the whole world in front of you. So I put up a post, and in it, it was I mean it was a little bit of a controversial post in support of police, and I had hashtag Blue Lives Matter in it, and I was shut down. I got a ban from Facebook. Now, the one thing that I have going to my advantage is that this year we'll spend $10 million on Facebook for clients. So it was one phone call saying, uh, guys, do you not want $10 million? That's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. If, you, if you're all mad at me for doing a pro-police post, we'll play that game. I was activated again very, very quickly. But, you know... That's we, you with $10 million. What about law enforcement? Let's say, like you said, um, a lot of police departments and using social media to get press releases out yep. to kind of combat the news and who's to say that social media and we're not going to single out anybody in particular right now but what happens they say well we don't want that to be to be able to be displayed and we're going to shut that that account so we ended up doing a whole bunch of research on how this process works in conjunction with new boston post and what we found is there are approximately right now 2500 that number is going to be inflated to about 7500 monitors people who, who watch all of the reports on Facebook. So you go in, you see a piece of content that you find offensive or that you don't like, you can flag it, you report it. Enough of these reports gets something triggered and it goes to one of these guys, men or women in Malaysia, who are going through all of these reports and it's completely arbitrary. They turn around and in my case, they said, we're banning you for violating our terms of service. Never said what the terms of service are. Right, that and I that was another thing. So vague. You, yeah, you I want you to get into anybody. that. They never told you why. Nope. No explanation, just red light off. Bingo. So when New Boston Post contacted them, they turned around and said, now this was after I contacted them and said, uh, we have a lot of money that you want. But when New Boston Post contacted them, they said, oh, no, it was a mistake. It was an accident. And he was reactivated right after. No record of who banned me or why they banned me or anything like that. There's zero accountability on that side. We were part of a, a conference that was hosted by Facebook. One of our clients was part of this last year where Facebook came out and said, we don't know why everybody's saying that we don't want to hear conservative voices out there. We want to hear conservative voices. So they had a bunch of conservative media uh, you know, reporters and producers and bloggers come out to California to meet with them. And they said, we don't know why you guys feel the way that you do. So everything was hunky-dory and fine. And Glenn Beck was there. And Glenn Beck, who I personally I think went off the reservation a couple of years ago, but he came out after and said, oh, no, Facebook loves us. They love conservatives. And then a couple months later, all of a sudden, same thing. You see Steve Crowder, who's getting banned. You see Graham Allen, who's getting banned. You see all different conservative writers and conservative thought leaders who will just get randomly slapped. Right. And well, I'm bringing this up because uh, Jay and I know and experienced Social media's wrath, and a lot of my brothers and sisters that have pages and you experienced it. I've been fine. He got banned for <laughs> posting a badge bunny photo over Easter time. 
Yeah, and then the per- wait, it gets better. I did right. It so was an Easter bunny. It was with a mistake, and right then and then I reached out to the person that goes, "Oh my God, I just wanted you to take it down. I will write to Facebook. Oh, I said it, the bad word, and I will get you guys reactivated." So she writes a letter to them. I did not mean. I just wanted them to at least give me credit or take it down. Yeah, please reactivate their account. We love them. Blah blah blah. She cc's me. Nothing from Facebook. Not a word, not a blimp. They said, you're done for two weeks, and that was it, and they shut me down for two weeks. Well, Turtle Boy Sports is another one. Turtle Boy Sports is it's a bunch of different writers, but they face the same thing, and their entire revenue model is based on people seeing content on Facebook right. coming over and being able to monetize that through advertising. And so it's literally impacting businesses with zero accountability or trackability on the part of Facebook. But because I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate for a second, we signed up for this. Right. right. And then right. they will you say know? that. Right. It's, it's, you, their, it's their ballpark. It's their sandbox, and they can do what they want with it. And, yeah. and I'm okay with And that. you have to learn how to play with their rules. Correct. Yeah. And, and beat them at their own rules. Right. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. Totally okay with that. The scary part for me is we know how big Facebook is, and we know how big they're going to be. Well, they own Instagram, so. Yes. All right. And, and just being victimized, well, again, not victimized because their policies and procedures are out there. But just knowing that they have that power to block what's to say, like I said, that they take a stance five years from now and they do regulate what information is coming out. And like you said, a lot of people read five seconds of a blurb on Facebook and believe it. It's factual. Yep. Well, so it's interesting. One of the things that I work on with my production team, whenever we're working with a client, any client whatsoever, I say, if we're going to drop a video, we have three seconds to, to grab their attention. Three. Because Facebook's algorithm says if you can engage people for three seconds or more, we're going to assign a much higher reach to you. And so you'll put the sexiest video, for example, in that first three seconds, something that's going to grab people. By the same token, if you're putting up the sexiest video, like we have the Real Man Show that we do. We're dropping a video next week where we use Tannerite to blow up a snowman. We're up at a range shooting machine guns in New Hampshire. The concern that here. sounds pretty awesome, by it's, the way. It's about as, uh, <laughs> as why cool were we as it gets. invited? <laughs> a whole bunch of vets, some cops, the lead singer from All That Remains is up there. So it's some cool stuff. But in that first three seconds, we're going to trigger a lot of snowflakes. And so I wouldn't be surprised if somebody flags us right off the rip. We get a few flags, and then people say that uh, we're threatening. Here, here's part of what when I was a sergeant. And I actually learned this as a patrolman, brand new out of the academy in the police department. And what I was told was, listen, we were given a general order manual about this thick, and they added new ones every week. And it was my job. They said, you have to learn these rules. If you play in these rules, they can't do anything to you. So simple things like with social media, I can get out my message, a very pro law enforcement message, as long as I use certain terminology. Yes. The minute I go in in your face with it, they're going to take a stance and it's going to ban me. However, the oppositional side can post whatever they want. Right. That's just the rules. So I had to learn how to be successful policing by following the rules and using the boundaries that were given to me. Yep. And that's the, the reality of the new day and age. And if we do it, we can be very, very successful. If we don't, you're just shouting into a dark closet. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, a certain demographic in America right now that wants you to have the right to say whatever you want to say as long as you agree with them. As long as that's, they agree with you, right. Yeah, exactly. That's and the second yeah, that you don't agree with them, they seek to shut you down. So it's not, I mean, guys, look at, look at Berkeley, right? 
look at a lot of these college campuses that say, you know what, if you don't agree with the kind of thought leadership that we're putting out there, we're just going to shut you down. We're not, not going to even let you on campus. Uh, and that's scary. That is scary. That's kind of what I'm, I'm talking about. And so, but they also get a response from the media. They get coverage. All the camera crews are there. Oh, there's going to be a protest at Berkeley. So guess what? Everybody responds, right. and it just makes them bigger. Right. Well, and so here's what's scary to me, because we monitor this for hundreds of different companies to take a look at the organic and the paid reach of Facebook, and we see that there are certain audiences and certain business types and certain types of posts that will get much, much greater organic reach and much, much greater paid reach or less of a cost than certain other audiences. Now, we have zero way of proving this. All that we have is, is the numbers that we can track and see. But they'll turn around the second that you call them on it. They'll say, well, there are different audiences that are involved. It's different times of day. People just weren't on when you posted that. People weren't on at that moment that that went out. That partic- So it's a game. And... The odds are stacked against us because they can just say it's a different audience and we can't prove that. We can tell you from monitoring this for hundreds of clients that the odds are very clearly stacked against a conservative voice or against a police-friendly voice or against a pro-gun voice, but they know how to play the game better than we all can because they know the cards that we're holding in our hand and we don't know the cards that are in their hand. So what does that mean? That means that we all have to band together to support that that common cause and to put our support behind the men and women who serve and protect. Because here's the way to beat that. When you put up a video in support of police, when every one of your followers shares that, I'm not just talking about clicking like on it. I'm not just talking about reading it or watching it and feeling good about it. I'm talking about active engagement and active participation pulls the algorithm. Facebook looks at that and says, holy cow, Law enforcement today dropped this video, and right off the rip, it had 300 shares on it. Clearly, this is relevant and engaging content. Mm-hmm. We're going to serve this up to more people. And so I've watched people like Graham Allen, for example. Great young guy. Uh, he's a veteran, very outspoken. This dude drops a video, and he gets 10,000 shares in an hour. People are sharing it without even watching it because they're loyal to that cause. And because people are starting to recognize, you know what, the more I engage with content, even though this is content that Facebook doesn't want to see, this is my simple contribution that doesn't cost me a penny to increase our voice. And so if we start approaching this as one voice, as one people, you don't have to get active in terms of leaving comments. That share goes a very, very long way in creating that platform for us to, to really get that word out there. So, so share every post we put. I was just going to say that. So you've heard it from a leading expert in social media. Every time you see the word law enforcement today, it's mandatory that you share it. It's the American thing to do. It's about having free speech. It's about red, white, and blue, Chevrolet, and apple pie. Share our posts. Absolutely. If you give a damn about what's going on, share a post. I'm, I'm joking, but yeah, you should. And that's what I do because also well, no, 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 people don't see, you, you, even if I follow a page, if I don't engage that page periodically, I stop seeing what they post. Yes. So every now and then make a comment, share, click a like, do something. So organic reach right now on Facebook is between two and 4%. So for every hundred people that follow you for law enforcement today, only between two and four people are seeing that content in their newsfeed. Now, that number begins to grow exponentially as people like, comment, and share that content. 
So the more engagement that we're getting out of people, the more people. So anybody that truly believes in what you guys do and what you stand for in that content and that message, that's why this new series that we're launching behind the uniforms, every single uh, first responder, police officer, veteran that comes on and is featured on the show, they have to do two things. They have to bring a bottle of whiskey for the whiskey wall because that's where we're filming and they, they share whiskey with us. And they have to commit to sharing that video. We're not asking them to do anything ridiculous. We're asking them to, to help us grow this community because we know that every one additional person that shares it, we begin to grow that reach. Right. We begin to win. It's a win-win, certainly. So tell us again about your fundraiser. Uh, you mentioned that at the very beginning, but yep. you didn't go a whole lot of details. Sure. What are you doing, and, and how's that money being spent? So uh, it, we're not fundraising at all. We're making a donation. Okay. Uh, we, I am very, very blessed to run an agency that has some unbelievable clients behind us, and as a result, we have some tremendous talent in our agency. I wanted to be able to use that talent to tell the stories behind these uniforms, to tell the stories of, of the men and women, to show that at the end of the day, when you take off your uniform or when you put on your uniform, you're hoping you get to go home to your family. And that doesn't matter if you're a police officer, if you're a firefighter, if you're a veteran, you're doing what you do. It's not just about a paycheck for so many. It's about, it's the American thing to do. It's about you're doing this because of your love for, for service above self, because of your love for our country. And so we pledged, like I said, originally it was $250,000 in services. We doubled that to $500,000. Um, we'll be making a, a formal announcement in a couple of weeks about something really, really big that we're doing uh, in addition to this, but the idea is that we are donating video production services to tell those stories. We're doing a lot of consulting for departments. We're doing some public relations work for departments. Um, it's most of it's for under, police departments. For police departments, correct. Most of it's uh, under non-disclosure agreements because we've had police departments from major cities reach out to us and say we don't know what the hell to do with, with this attack. We don't know how to handle the media on this, so we're doing it under non-disclosure agreements so that you know we're not letting people know that this major department that we're consulting for, um, but it's all, it's just 100% donated services because it's the American thing to do. I applaud you and I want to thank you very, very much for coming on the show. And I have a sneaking feeling we'll be working a lot of projects in the future, especially when it comes to video. Robert and I talked about it. You talked about it. And of course, uh, we would like to have you on as a guest again in the future, whenever you get down here, or you can always call in. You know? Well, I mean, I'm, I've got a voice for radio, but a face for TV. So everyone's going to really <laughs> I, I'm the same way, a voice for radio and a figure to match. That's, that's <laughs> the way I always say. From Jay and I, uh, we want to really thank you coming, coming down here and spending some time, quality time with us and, uh, actually enlightening us on not only the news media, but social media as well. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me out. I appreciate the, the tour and the hospitality out here in this beautiful state of Florida. Not looking forward to going back to Connecticut because I think they're going to hit me with a tax when <laughs> But you're moving. <laughs> I always don't tell it to my For wife. For the record, every time I go to visit uh, my wife's family in Connecticut, I fall in love with the air. I only go in the summertime. That's why you fall in love with it. Because uh, in the wintertime, it is brutal. Yeah. Very, very cold. And let's not say that the day is just beginning here because we've got some exciting uh, brothers in arms that are going to be meeting us uh, for dinner tonight. And we're going to continue the conversation in a, in a social setting. But again, Jay and I want to thank you and, and your associates for coming in and, and spending some quality time with us. Thanks. Thank you guys. God bless and God bless America.
Thank you. And for everyone out there, remember, if you ever want to be a guest on Law Enforcement Today radio show, we accommodate you from anywhere. The, the folks that I work for my day job, Glades Media, we use our studios. You can call in. We can accommodate you from absolutely anywhere on the planet, as long as you have phone service. If you have topics or suggestions, contact us. How do people do that? You can contact us at Robert at Law Enforcement Today or Jay at Law Enforcement Today.com. Don't forget the dot com. You can go to our website at the bottom of our website. It's a contact me page. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. LinkedIn. Everywhere. So on behalf of Robert Greenberg, everybody associated with Law Enforcement Today, I'm John J. Wiley. See ya.